Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Our theme this year is three to thrive. And uh, you can see it on the logo there, sitting one, serving one, sharing one. What does that, that phrase mean and where did it come from? The phrase was coined by a pastor by the name of Lee Robertson. Uh, Lee Robertson, Dr. Robertson, pastored the Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He pastored for about 40 years or so. He finished his pastorate in the 80s. And uh, he, he lived until I think 2007, if I remember correctly, and lived late into his 90s. I believe he went to heaven around age 97. He pastored the Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which at one time was said to have 57,000 members. It was one of the largest, if not the largest, church in America at the time. He also founded a Bible college uh, named Tennessee Temple University, which at one time had an enrollment of 5,000 young people who were, um, who were getting a Christian education and training for ministry. Literally there are still to this day pastors and missionaries and Christian workers scattered around the world that received their training at Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he coined this phrase, and really, of course, um, he, was, he, had, he, had, uh, he, he was an author, he traveled the country speaking in churches across our country, and he really coined and made popular that phrase and would preach about it and talk about it and challenge his church. He would say, three to thrive. He always wore a double-breasted uh, navy blue suit, pinstripes, that was his, his look. He always, that's the only suit he ever wore, was double-breasted navy blue. And everywhere he would go, he was, he was a tall man, and I, I heard him preach um, in my my home church growing up, and he would talk about three to thrive, three to thrive. It was his challenge to his church family to really make a commitment to the life of the church. It was his challenge um, to, to challenge people to be involved in three different services each week in order to grow in their knowledge of God's Word, to get involved in serving others, and thrive in their Christian lives. And this morning in Newport Beach, California, a long way from Chattanooga, Tennessee, more than 70 years after he began to challenge his growing church in Tennessee with this phrase, we make it our theme in Newport Beach for 2024. And I want to spend the next uh, few moments of our service explaining what that means for us today. And uh, what does this phrase mean for our church? And by the way, when I say our church, you've heard me say this before, our church is not this building. This is our church building. But the church is a called out assembly of believers. You are the church and I am the church. So when we talk about our church theme, it is our, it is our desire, our passion, our exhortation, our encouragement, not for a large group of people sp corporately, but for each of us individually to capture this vision and ask God, what part in this would you have me to play in your body here at Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach? So to answer the question, what does this phrase mean for our church this year, we need to answer a few questions, and that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to answer a few questions. So what is it? What is this theme? Three to thrive, sit in one, share in one, serve in one. And would you say that, uh, we'll put that logo back up so that we can see it. Would you say that aloud with me? Three to thrive, sit in one, serve in one, share in one. Let's say that aloud. Ready? Begin. Three to thrive, sit in one, serve in one, share in one. So what is it? I want to start by letting you know what this theme is. It is a change of our weekly service format, not a change of our church function. We're going to talk for just a moment about format versus function. What has been the purpose or the function of our church for our 47-year history? What has been that is not, and I want to make it clear this morning as we're going to jump into some logistical things and, and schedule changes. You can see some of that in the booklet. Some of you have already read through that. What is not changing is our purpose as a church, why we exist, the biblical teaching and truth and reason that we are here. Our beliefs are not changing. Our doctrine is not changing. Our commitment to Scripture and sharing the gospel in Orange County and around the world is not changing. 
Our heart for worldwide missions is not changing. And I want to make that very clear, who we are and why we are, if you will. Every year on Vision Sunday I talk, last year the title of my message was Know Your Why. Why we exist. What is a church? Are we just a religious country club that we get together and have fun with some other friends? Why do we exist? That's what Vision Sunday is, kind of a reset of why we're here. And I want to make it clear from the beginning, our why is not changing 1%. We've been here for 47 years with our purpose and our why, and that is not changing. Our function is not changing. And what is our function? If you have that booklet there, you'll see what our purpose is. It's a fourfold purpose on the first page. Why do we exist? What is our church purpose or our church function? It's on the first page there. We exist for four reasons. And I've talked to you for the last several years on Vision Sunday, I've shared this purpose, and I said, here's our church purpose statement, but a purpose statement does no good if it doesn't make its way into the program and daily life of the actual church family. How many, how, many, how many businesses have a great purpose statement on the wall, but the culture of that place does not match the purpose statement? And so we've talked on Vision Sunday for several years, this is our purpose, but our, so that's our why, but our how, our program has to match that. What we're doing on a weekly basis isn't helping us as a church family to fulfill our God-given purpose. What is our purpose? You can see it there. Our purpose is to share the gospel. We exist to make Christ known and reach people with the gospel. If we're not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, we are not a biblical church. It's why we're here. What did, what did, what did in, in, in the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel? What did in the book of Acts when Jesus ascended back into heaven? Ye shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Our primary function as a church family, we have been given the gospel to make the gospel known. We are to be witnesses of what we receive. So we exist to share the gospel. And then with our program, Our second piece is to grow in the gospel, and I've talked about this for several years. To grow in the gospel uh, is, is, and and with our new theme, would be we grow, we have, I, I work diligently, I pray, I study to provide what I believe is biblical meat on a weekly basis for you to grow in your understanding, your knowledge, your application of God's Word. And so our program to grow in the gospel, one of our biggest ones is what you're sitting in right now, our corporate weekly worship gatherings. And then we want to see people connect through the gospel. This is not just an educational exercise that you come in, sit in an audience, hear a spiritual TED Talk speaker, get some good thoughts, leave. That is, it's a church family. You're not just here to consume content. God's plan with a church, you are here to build relationships, to grow together, to pray with one another, to laugh with one another, to rejoice with one another, to cry with one another. Uh, when, when somebody's going through something, we're ministering to them. When they have a great victory, we're rejoicing with them. We weep with those who do, that do weep. We rejoice with those that do rejoice. So it's not just, well, we just want to be some, some mega content center where I am the the, the main content giver, and you are the content receivers, and you just come, hear a, a, some religious speech, and leave. No, yes, we want to grow in the gospel in our corporate worship services, but then we want to connect through the gospel. And with our church, one of the ways we've best created that is through our community groups. On a weekly basis, with a smaller group, you're getting to know people. It's not the only way to connect, but you're growing together. We had about 30 in our uh, marriage and parenting community group this past Wednesday night, and those are becoming some of our closest friends as we're growing together week by week and walking through the Bible. And then lastly, we want to see people live the gospel. That is, you are not intended to just receive. God God gives to us. We're to be funnels. He gives to us so we can give to others. We've been served so that we can serve. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And so our structure, our church program is we have service teams, ways that people are involved in the music team and in choir and right now in children's ministry and in Spanish ministry and in our bus ministry and in our missions ministry and, and there, the, the list goes, our first impressions ministry and working with children on Wednesday night and leading community groups and, and Bible teachers in our church. And the list goes on. Why? Because we are to serve. I'm going to go into each of these in more detail over the next three Sunday mornings about our purpose, but I want you to see 
that our function isn't changing. So the same thing I've been talking about for years, why do we exist to share the gospel, grow in the gospel, connect through the gospel, and live the gospel? It's exactly the same. Sit in one, share in one, serve in one, share in one. Our function is not changing. That is why we exist. However, the format of how we accomplish this purpose will be adjusted in some ways for what we believe will help us to more effectively accomplish this function, this purpose. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter number two this morning. Acts in chapter number two, please. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. I'd encourage you to follow along. If you have a Bible app on your phone or tablet, you're following along. I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible this morning. Acts in chapter number two. We're going to begin in verse number 42. A few years ago, I preached 70-some sermons, verse by verse, through the book of Acts. The book, it's, it's called the beginning, the Acts of the Apostles. This is a book of action. This book, where it is in the Bible, is right after Jesus died on the cross for us, was buried and rose again, what we just sang about. He goes back to heaven. His personally trained followers are left here on earth. And this book covers about, it covers the first 30 years about of early church history. We call ourselves a New Testament local church. Our locale is Orange County, California. We're a church, and we base what we do off of the teachings of the New Testament of Scripture. The Acts is the very first plantings of the New Testament local church. And so we see, uh, we see very early the church beginning and their function, why they existed. Acts 2, verse number 42. Acts 2, verse 42, the Bible says, and they, the, the they is the church, the group of called out believers. It was a small group. It was about 120 people at that time. But in verse 41, it says, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So what happens is Jesus leaves. It's the Feast of Pentecost. There are people from all over. Peter stands up. He preaches. It's people that speak all different languages. God gives him the miraculous gift of tongues. Everyone hears him in their own language, and there's a great harvest of souls. And the Bible says they, a small group of about 120 followers of Jesus, they then, now their church grew from 120 to 3,120 in one day. That's a pretty good Sunday. 3,000, those that gladly received his word, that's receiving the gospel, that's salvation, were baptized. That's public identification of a personal decision. And so what happens, notice their function, verse 42. This early church, and they, the church at Jerusalem, they, the group, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, a great unity there, had all things common, sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need, and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness. By the way, if you're saved, you should be glad about it. That's not my message, but just a good little commercial there. And singleness of heart, unity, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Small group, miraculous, wonderful day. Pentecost Sunday, everybody gets, 3,000 souls get saved, baptized, added to the church. The church is growing, and we see their purpose. Their purpose was sharing the gospel. Their purpose was growing in the gospel, the apostles' doctrine. Their purpose was connecting through the gospel, fellowship, breaking of bread. Their, their purpose was living the gospel. They were now serving one another. They were selling their things and helping those that were in need. Their purpose some 2,000 years ago was the same purpose we have some 2,000 years later in the early church. Now look, skip over to chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. So God's adding every day more people to the church. By the way, a, a, a joyful, unified body of believers that are passionate about the gospel of Jesus, other people will want to be a part of that. God will grow a church like that. And I'm not, numeric growth is not the end goal, and it is not always the sign of health, but healthy things do often grow. And God will, will there's a great testimony when God's people really love Him and love what He's done in their lives. Chapter 4, verse number 1, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them 
being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. There were some religious people that didn't like what was happening in a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Would you read verse number four aloud with me? Ready? Begin. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. We don't know for sure if this means now we've gone from 3,000 to 5,000, or if we've gone from 3,000 to 8,000. Either way, the church is multiplying. Their needs are changing. Their context is changing. What a church of 120 needed was very different from what a church of of 5,000 or 8,000 needed. Now skip over to our last place. God is blessing the church as they fulfill their function. Acts 6, two chapters over. Look at Acts chapter number 6. Verse number one, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. So we see when God's working in a church, there's often outside opposition and persecution. And by the way, persecution has never hurt a Bible preaching church. Often in countries where there's persecution of the gospel, the gospel goes forward in amazing ways. And then sometimes there's inside, inward opposition to what God's doing in the church, and that's what's happening now. There was a number of the disciples, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, people that were brought up with different religious backgrounds, different personal backgrounds, didn't like how things were happening in the church, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The apostles said, we have a higher priority, we need we, we can't take care of all these, these, these other details. We need to be praying and, and delivering the word to you. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. And it goes on to list the seven deacons whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Would you read verse 7 aloud with me? Acts 6, 7. Ready? Begin. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. What do we see here? We see a church that as, as... as context changes, as needs change, as size changes, we see them not losing their purpose, their function, but we see them making some adjustments to their format, if you will, to their church structure. There were some things that needed to change to more effectively minister where God had called them to minister. A pastor friend of mine that has pastored one of the largest churches in California He's been used mightily of God to reach tens of thousands of people here in Southern California over the last four decades. I've heard him often tell the phrase to his church that is constantly moving forward for the gospel. He says, a growing church is always in transition. What does that mean? It is not, by the way, for a biblical church, this is not a transition or change of function, but at times of format. Our church, over the last several years, we have seen different format changes in our church or school ministry. We have seen our staff structure change. We have hired new people to care for different things. We have started new ministries and new service teams. And we started, we did a format change of Wednesday nights coming out of COVID from a Wednesday night Bible study that I led with about maybe 50 to 75 people each week to community groups throughout the week that now average somewhere between, depending on the week, three to 500 people attending. We have seen because of the context and the needs of our church, some format changes that we prayed and and in some ways have seen God more effectively minister to the people that he's given to us here. That is what today is about. As the church grew in Acts, as the needs of the ministry changed, the structure or format of the church also changed. And as more people got involved in the cause and they kept their focus on loving God and helping people, did you see what it said in verse 7? The word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. That is my sincere desire and prayer for this church, and it's what I believe God wants to and will do with this church in the days, weeks, and months to follow. The Word of God, I believe, is going to increase, and the number of disciples, I believe, is going to multiply. We've seen that on a small measure over the, in recent years here at LBC and NCS. 
Throughout history and in different countries and contexts, the when and how believers have gathered together has changed from daily and in houses and acts to weekly and in large church buildings in some places today. In other places today, they are still meeting secretly in living rooms or in open air fields. The context and needs of each church have dictated how and when they gather together. So our current format in our church has been uh, one Sunday morning service, one Sunday evening service, and midweek gatherings and community groups. Later this year, and we'll talk about this some today, we are launching a new service schedule where we will begin to meet twice on Sunday mornings. And some churches, many churches, have added a second Sunday morning service. We did this during COVID where it was really just a small handful of five or ten workers that were here for both, and it's just you pick one or the other to come to in the morning, and then we'll all regather again on Sunday night. That is not the format change we're making this year. We are asking, what we're looking to do is to reclaim the time, the energy, the resources of our workers and our staff from Sunday evening and our church family, and we're going to ask all of us, Three to Thrive, to be plugged in in both of those services. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Not attending two corporate worship gatherings, but sitting in one, serving in one, and sharing in one throughout each week. We're going to, to reclaim that time that we currently put into our Sunday evening gatherings, and we're going to have on Sundays a 9 a.m. gathering and a 10.45 a.m. gathering. There will be from time to time, we'll have missions, a special missions thing, we'll have that giving banquet, we'll have a special leadership night, we'll have some training times, some fellowship times on Sunday evenings. But in our most weeks, what we're asking, instead of you coming for two hours on Sunday morning and coming back for an hour uh, or an hour and a half on Sunday evening, we're going to ask you to combine those times and to give your church and God's church here, your church family, about three and a half to four hours, that same amount of time, but in one block of time. We'll explain that format uh, in detail this morning and over the next coming weeks. There is no question, and we've studied this with our leadership for a couple of years, we've prayed, we've sought counsel from pastors um, and, and people that, that, including the former pastor here, Pastor Tomlinson and others, with what we're looking at. Uh, we talked about this with our pastoral staff, with our deacons in, in, in brief things a couple of years ago, our pastoral staff in detail a year and a half ago, and, and have waited with wisdom to seek the Lord's direction. And what's the best way to effectively accomplish our function in what format does that look like in where we're serving in the, the people that we're serving today? And, and so, there's no question our Sunday morning service has far more guests hearing the gospel and far more volunteers engaging in ministry service. And so our goal as we double this time is that we would see the word of God increased and the disciples multiplied. Again, rather than coming to two services, uh, to one service at 10 and another at 5, we are asking you to come be involved in one at 9 and one at 1045 every Sunday morning for those that are plugged in to the core of our church that want to thrive. So we're going to challenge every person in our church, as you can see, and you'll have this reminder each week, to sit in one, to serve in one, and to share in one. Just like we currently encourage people to be a part of Sunday morning and Sunday evening services, we encourage every person in our church to be a part of the life of our church during both of these times, not one or the other. In your booklet, you can turn to the sit in one page right after the, um, after the uh, campus upgrades. I want to make it clear, both 9 and 1045 will have a full Bible message. We'll be walking through the same book of the Bible or the same series in both of those. It will have full children's services. It will have full music. This is different than what we did at COVID. It will have a full choir. It will have our full children's ministries. Um, it, the only difference is there will be a teen class at one and not at the second one, but everything else will be that we will have multiple community groups at each service time for you to consider where you could share in one, our community group structure. Again, a reminder, sit in one is our corporate worship gatherings, serve in one is finding a, a, a service team you can plug into, and share in one is one of our community groups, and we will have that. So our Sunday morning service schedule will be much more robust and have many more offerings for you to plug in and get involved. And uh, we're going to have some different groups. We're going to be launching on Sundays for men's groups, women's groups, new believers, doctrinal classes, and more. We'll have a teen class on Sundays at 9 a.m. Our Spanish will meet at 10.45 a.m. This is going to allow... 
I would say 90% of our Spanish ministry, because we don't have a Spanish-speaking service on Sunday evening, does not come back. This is going to allow many in our Spanish ministry to plug into our church in ways they've never done before. Some that would understand English or speak English well can come to the English service and and plug into our service here. Others will be able to serve at the 9 o'clock or go to a community group at 9 o'clock. Right now, um, the Spanish has 1045 and then a community group on Wednesday night. They don't have anything on Sunday evening, so this is going to allow them to plug in more as well. And so so to make this work, you're going to see here in, in a little bit. We're going to need many in our church, some that aren't doing this right now, that are going to be willing to jump into an area of service you may not currently be helping in. But if we will embrace this new format, not a new function, not a new purpose, but a new format, I truly believe, I truly believe we're going to see incredible fruit in the months and years to come. The only difference between the two morning services at 9 and 1045 is that we will have breakfast burritos and iced coffee at 830 before the 9 a.m. service. To reward those, because if you're like me, I was at my house this morning knowing what I was talking about this morning, thinking, I'm supposed to be at church already, and I'm just now, like, I'm I'm right now reading my Bible. And so we're all going to have to adjust our Sunday rhythms a little bit. So to help you as you're coming, we'll have breakfast burritos and iced coffee at 830. You don't have to cook breakfast. You can bring your family and enjoy that, and then go to either your sit, your serve, or your share at the nine o'clock hour doing what you're going to be doing. And uh, and so hopefully that will be a help to you. And for those that say nine o'clock, that's really early. Just a reminder, for 44 years of our church history, that's what time we came to church. COVID gave you an extra sleep-in hour that, that, we, that we're now taking back, okay? And so we were able to do it for 44 years. It's going to, I'll be honest, the first few weeks, I remember the first time our family came here. We came, and we were driving here on a Sunday morning, and we came at 9 o'clock. We got here, like, we left our house at like 8.15 or 8.30, where we were staying to come to church, and, and I wasn't yet the pastor. And at that time, we had five kids. Our oldest was eighth grade. Our youngest was one, I think. And, uh, and I remember driving, because the church we grew up in has always been 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Those were the two service times. We, our whole existence. My wife and I had only been members of one church before we came here. Our whole existence, you're supposed to go at church at 10 a.m. Can I get an amen? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says Sunday morning church at 10 a.m. And we were driving and coming here at 9, because I don't know who was, some weird pastor had some idea to start church at 9. And now I'm that weird pastor having the same idea. And my wife said as we're driving down, she's like, whoever came up with this service schedule did not have five kids to get ready for church in the morning. I realize it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for some of us, but as we get in those new rhythms, it will become your weekly rhythm. And, and so our desire on this is that you would choose one of those to worship with your family. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then choose the other one to either serve on a service team or join a community group. Let me illustrate with a few folks. I need four volunteers to come stand up here. Who's somebody that sings in the choir? Who sings in the choir? I need somebody that sings in the choir willing to come be on live stream. Come on up, Michael. Who is someone that helps out in our security team? You work in security, and you work in security. I'm going to use you as an illustration so we can kind of understand how the schedule would work. We must not have a very secure church. All right. Oh, there's Keith right here. Look at this. We feel safer, don't we, knowing Keith is right here on the second row ready for us. Kids team, who helps somewhere on one of our kids teams? Craig, come on up. And our nursery team, who's somebody that serves in the nursery and is willing to come on up? All right. Here she comes. All right. So. This is, what would this look like? Where's our choir member? Right here. Our choir. So we're going to have a full choir. If you're in the choir, we need you singing in both services. If you're not in the choir, we need 25 more of you in both services. Some of you, this is your cue. When we launch this in a couple of months, you're joining the choir. And all God's people said? Okay, if you said amen, you just joined it. All right, I like that. Here's what it's going to look like. They're going to have probably an 845. Jay can't say anything back there. He had vocal cord surgery on Monday. He's doing well, and he hasn't been able to uh, talk at all. Brenna can just tell him whatever he wants. He can't respond at all. He can't argue back. And what a great week, huh, Brenna? And Jay is doing well. I'm guessing 845, 840, you're probably going to have a choir warm-up before the 9 o'clock service, something like that. So Michael will get here with his family around 845 for the choir warm-up. They'll sing at 9 o'clock. We can throw this choir one up. I think we have the first one there. The choir will sing at 9 in the service and then sit. That will be their worship gathering. Then they'll sing. There'll be a time of refreshment and in between the two services. We want people from both services fellowshipping with each other, getting to know each other, and meeting each other. There'll be about a 30-minute break where we'll have coffee, and we're going to have an, a, 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 we're going to 
get an expanded coffee bar and some different things in the lobby that you're going to enjoy, we'll have out there. And then Michael will sing with the choir in the 1045 service, and then every week, right now the choir gets here early for choir practice. We're not going to do that when we launch this. The choir will then practice for 30 to 45 minutes after they sing in the 1045 service. And so let's say they leave here at 1110, they, they have practiced till about noon, and then they're done, and we would challenge Michael and his family to find a community group to share in somewhere in the midweek, because it wouldn't work for a choir member to necessarily. Now, there are some exceptions, because I know a few ladies love Diana Quackenbush's class, and they have asked, how do I stay in the choir and in Diana's class? Diana's starting her own little church over there, and uh, she's awesome. And Jay has talked to them how you can make that work, so we're going to make it work where, where you want to be plugged in, you can, but generally that's what the choir would look like. Let's say— for security, let's say you were on the schedule to serve on our midweek on Wednesday night to serve in security. So Keith, he could choose either 9 a.m. or 10.45 for this illustration. We, we said Keith and Gloria want to go to a community group at ni- the 9 a.m. hour. So they would share at 9 a.m., they would come into the morning service at 10.45 a.m., and then he would serve on Wednesday. Sit, share, uh, sit, serve, share. Uh, for nursery, let's say we've got you scheduled. Um, oh, 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 we're going to go kids team next. That's an order there. Kids team. We've got you serving, and I know you serve on Wednesday nights in kids team, but we're going to put you for the sake of illustration at the 9 a.m. service for kids team. So he's going to serve at 9 a.m. He's going to sit with his family at 1045 a.m., and then he's going to find a midweek gathering, which Craig has a midweek gathering. If you're not in a community group, Tuesday night, come to their house. They have a home group that's meeting a Bible study on Tuesday nights at their home in Santa Ana. You will love being influenced by this amazing family. So they would have their midweek share time would be on Tuesday night, three to thrive, sit, serve, share. We've got you scheduled in the nursery on Wednesday night. And so again, she could choose either one, but for the sake of illustration, we've got 9 a.m. sitting in this early service, going to a community group at 1045, and then serving, I'll let you four go down. Uh, But but you can see, and again, there are going to be different, and by the way, obviously, nobody can force anybody to do anything. You can decide, I don't care what you say, Pastor Ryan, I'm coming, sliding in late, listening to you for an hour and sliding out and not talking to anyone. That's your prerogative. I don't think it's wise. I think you're stunting your spiritual growth. I don't think you should do that. But I understand, well, how are they going to enforce this? There's no enforcement, but this is as your pastor that cares for your spiritual health. This is our challenge to help us more effectively accomplish our function in a modified format. As you can see, it's going to be a little different. I wanted to use those four, and we'll talk some more about it in the coming weeks. I wanted to use those four as an illustration. It's going to look a little different for everyone, and you're going to have to figure out what that's going to look like for you. Rodney told me, can I say this, Rodney? Where did Rodney go? Rodney said there are already some domestic disputes about which one they want to sit in, 9 a.m. or 1045. We're not trying to cause marital problems, all right? Keep the unity. That's in Acts 2. Keep the unity so the Word of God can increase and the disciples can be multiplied. Don't fight over which one you're going to. I want to say two things about sit in one, and then we'll keep moving. Number one, I'm going to ask you because, by the way, all of us have to change the weekly service we go to. There is no more 10 a.m. service when we launch this. Now, there is next week. Don't get confused. I'll talk about when we're launching it in a minute. It's It's in your booklet. All of us are adjusting, but what we're asking is, would you make a commitment, a six-month commitment of which one you'll do your best to sit in every week? Why do I say that? What we don't want is 90% of this crowd to go to one and 10% of this crowd to show up the other, and a guest walks in and they're like, oh, I guess no one goes to this church. And we may tell you in the coming weeks, hey, we've got, we've got a way bigger crowd responding to the 9 a.m. or vice versa. Would you consider, if you're able, coming to the other one, especially at the beginning? Because it is going to feel a little bit different in, in that we are going to be split. But what, what that's going to allow, you can look around. This is a normal Sunday. You can look around and see this auditorium is filling up. We're told, you talk to the church consultants and those that write books on these kinds of things, they say that once your auditorium is about 70 to 80% filled, that, that you will stop growing. Guests especially will walk in and don't want to sit that close to a bunch of people they don't know. And, and so what this is going to allow us to do is to loosen up the crowd a little bit so that we can double, the, the, the disciples can multiply, and we can reach more people and have spots for them. And so we're going to ask you to make a six-month commitment to pray about where you will land on sitting one in one of the two morning services. Not today, 
But in a couple of weeks, we're going to have what we're calling Commitment Sunday, as you've prayed about your sitting one, serving one, sharing one, and you're going to choose which one you're going to sit in, and we're going to give, you, give out two shirts. And this one, it says Liberty Baptist Church on the front, and it says, join me at the 1045 a.m. service, so you'll know your people. You can know who's, who's getting, and if you see a bunch of people you don't like, you can choose the other service, all right? And this one here, it's the same thing, and it says, join me at the 9 a.m. service. We have these in kids' sizes as families choose which one they're going to be worshiping together in. Um, the, the kids, uh, we want to give that to them as well. Let me say this, don't choose which one you're going on because of the design of the t-shirt you like better, okay? Don't choose it based on which color you would wear more, all right? If it's that big of a deal, you can have that shirt and go to the one you really want to go to. But we're going to be giving those out, and, and we're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. And we're asking, again, that you would make a six-month commitment at least. I'm going to plan to come to this service as much as I'm, I'm uh, unless I'm providentially hindered, as much as I'm able, so that we can have an idea that, again, it's not 90% of us picking one or the other, and the other one is just dead and never moves forward, if you will. Secondly, I want to, what I want to say about sitting one it's the first paragraph on that, that first page. Family worship. I firmly believe that families should worship together. You've heard me say this before. I do not believe the first time a child should sit together with their family in church and, and pray together and sing together and hear God's word taught and preached together should not be when they are in seventh grade or ninth grade or even sixth grade. Now, my two youngest kids are not in here with us today. We have children's classes on Sunday morning. Well, the way we do that in our current format is we have Sunday evening service where we only have children's classes from age five and below. Anyone that's school-aged sits in our Sunday evening services so families can worship together. I believe it's important. I think kids should learn from an early age. The church isn't all about just catering to their generation and their tastes and their needs. God, the biblical church is a multi-generational church where some of us have, we, we, we limit our generational preferences and needs for the sake of another generation. There are churches that are built on let's reach just one generation. That's not a biblical church and that's not this church. And I think kids should learn that from an early age. So how does that work in our new uh, format? How does that work? Here's my challenge. Let me illustrate with my wife. My challenge to you is for school age, first grade through sixth grade, that your children go to one of the kids' classes, either 9 a.m. or 10.45 a.m., and then whichever one you're sitting in, they worship together with you. So in the illustration, do you remember where we had you sitting? I don't remember. Let's say it was 9 a.m. If we had you sitting at 9, your kids would sit with you at 9, and then when you go to serve on security or go to a community group at 10.45, your kids would go to the kids' class. For five and below, they are not going to be the same classes. We're going to have them in different, in different rooms. They're not going to be like sitting in the same class, hearing the same lesson twice with the same teacher. It's going to be different. The kids' team's going to have different teachers, different rooms, different activities, different crafts, different lessons for five and below. Um, but for school age, my challenge, again, you're the parent. You can decide what you want to do. My challenge and my encouragement to you would be have your children sitting with you when they're able. If they can sit in school all day, have them sitting with you for, for about an hour and 15 to an hour and a half service, worshiping together as a family, then when you go to a community group or you go to serve, they go to children's class during that hour. Does that make sense? So for instance, my wife sings in the choir. Her Sunday morning schedule would look like come to church, sing in choir at nine, sit in the worship service with our two youngest. My fourth and sixth grader would come to the 9 a.m. service, and that's where our family would sit together. And then when my wife goes to choir practice, her serve in one, they would go to children's ministry during that 1045 hour. If that's, if I'm going through a lot, and we're going to cover this in more detail in the coming weeks. If you have a question, come see me. Uh, and again, five years and below, it'll be two different hours, different classrooms, different lessons, different songs, different crafts, all of that. Our children's team is amazing, and we'll make it an awesome Sunday morning for our kids. You say, Pastor Ryan, this sounds like a big commitment of time and energy. Like, I can't just come to church for an hour and leave. This sounds like, like this is going to be like a major priority in my life. Like, it seems like like, it's going to be the Lord's Day, and I'm going to give, like, with driving time, like, four hours, maybe five on a Sunday to God's work. You're getting the idea. The call to be a Christian is a call to commitment. 
The call to serve God is not a call to be casual. The call to follow Christ is supposed to be a life of commitment. And for some of you, it might actually be, we were joking with one of our uh, folks that took another ministry to, to lead that doesn't meet on a regular time, but she does work throughout the week on it. And she was telling me what her schedule currently is. And she, she comes to the morning service, she comes to the evening service, she comes to our parenting group, and she's helping to run our Helping Hands ministry. And I told Michelle, I said, it's not three to thrive for you, it's four to soar. She is sitting, serving, serving, sitting, sharing, I don't know, whatever it is. For some of you, it might be more than three touches, but wherever you're at, my challenge is to make a greater commitment. And, and again, we might have a choir member that also serves in the nursery once a month. You might have two service teams you're a part of, and we're going to be talking about all of that on the same page. If you have questions, talk to our pastors today, except Jay, because he can't. Actually, you can talk to Jay. He has a text, speak to text app. It just takes a while. He'll text it back and then talk to you right there. But talk to our pastors if you have questions today. So in our sit in one, last year we went through several preaching series. You're going to see a brief recap here in a minute. When you come to our Sunday services, what can you expect in our Sunday services in 2024? Let's watch that brief video. How is this possibly going to work out? How, how could your promises possibly be true based on the circumstances of my life? Where is all of this leading? And your plans and your promises seem impossible, God. The church was never supposed to be a consumer transaction that you benefit from. It is supposed to be an authentic community that you belong to and sacrifice for. Don't destroy another believer. Don't destroy a church. Don't lose wonderful relationships over petty, personal things that you have a little different feeling or belief about. I'm okay with your, your mind, little different feelings, but don't destroy these things. Again, I'm not preaching unity at all costs. Doctrine divides, but preferences shouldn't. And in your life and in mine, it's not just about getting back to a place. It's about getting back to a person. How is your personal relationship with God? With your... As we navigate the seasons of this year, our church invites you to explore the depths of scripture from the first pages of Genesis to the life-changing teachings of the New Testament. Take a look at the sermon series that we'll be walking through in 2024. Over the next two months, we'll be completing our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Genesis with a series on one of the most beautiful pictures of Christ in the Old Testament, the life of Joseph. Join us on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings through March as we explore this remarkable story of faith and providence in the life of Joseph. As we approach Resurrection Sunday, we invite you to a special series, He Has Called You By Name. This series will offer a deeper understanding of our Savior's personal love for each of us, highlighting how intimately God knows and cares for His children. In our society, much of the Bible's teachings are politically incorrect. As believers living in a country that is less and less friendly to Bible truth, how should we approach cultural issues when Christ and culture collide? Our series, Politically Incorrect, starts Sunday after Easter. We'll be taking a look at some of the cultural issues in our society and what the Bible says about them. This summer, join us for Functional, a series exploring God's design for a variety of human relationships. From parenting to marriage, from singleness to dating, we'll explore some biblical truths to guide us in the most significant aspects of our lives. Our church is committed to systematic study of God's Word. In the fall of this year, we will dive into a verse-by-verse -verse study of the book of Philippians, four chapters packed with incredible truth for daily living. We will conclude the year with an in-depth study of the gospel according to Luke. One of the best ways to know who Jesus is and to learn to live like him is to study his life and ministry in the gospels. This series will provide an intimate look at Jesus's life and ministry, offering insights into how we can follow his example in our daily lives. We're so excited to walk through scripture with you this year. Each series offers an invitation to deepen your faith, increase your understanding, and strengthen your walk with God. Join us as we work through the truths of scripture and apply them to our lives. And not only do each of those series gives, give us the opportunity to grow, but they give us the opportunity to invite others to grow with us. And I, I make the commitment to you, and I think you know this if you've come here for any length of time, if you'll invite a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, they are not going to hear my soapbox speech, Lord willing, they're going to hear the word rightly divided. They're going to hear a clear gospel presentation, and they'll hear that which has changed our lives that can change theirs as well. The next page in your book that you'll see the serve in one, a service team commitment. 
To go to this new format, we need about double the number of volunteers to be willing to jump in to what's happening in the life of our church. And we need more people to help. We're doubling the kids' ministry that needs there and our nursery team, minimums of one service per month. You can go down the list. Our choir, our orchestra service, we're going to need two new teams, a service setup team, a service cleanup team. And, uh, and you can see those things, and we'll talk about that in more detail in a couple of Sundays, and you can read that. The next page is our Share in One page. Our Share in One page, it talks about our community groups. We just launched a new set of community groups this week, and if you didn't come this last Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or this Sunday morning, we invite you to jump in one. There's a flyer in the lobby that has all of the times and days. Jump into one of those this week and begin to grow uh, with a group in our church, and you can see that. It also lists most of the groups, or many of the groups that were offered in 2023. We'll be offering some of uh, some different things along some of those same lines. So what is it? What is it? It's, it's not a new function, it's a new format to help us to uh, allow us to help uh, 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 fulfill our purpose in a greater way, to sit in one, to serve in one, to share in one. What isn't it? I want to be very clear, it's not an effort for us to be less involved. It is not an effort for us to be less committed, to be less engaged in the work of God. That we don't really want people just picking one Sunday morning service and leaving and never touching the life of their church again for the rest of the week. It wasn't just an idea we decided to do because we were bored and looking for something that would take up some time to re-implement. It's something we've been prayerfully considering, talking about, and planning with our ministry leadership for a couple of years now. Number three, why are we doing it? What's the purpose? Why are we doing this? I, I want to share my heart on this. We're doing this, number one, to reach more people. As we double the capacity of our Sunday morning services and all of us are willing to make some changes, I believe we're going to see people sitting in this auditorium a year or two from now at 9 a.m. at 10.45 a.m. that were not here today whose lives have been changed by the gospel. We're making adjustments to our personal schedule so that we can free up space and that will be filled with people who are not currently coming, not only to reach more people, but to involve more people. Serving is a blessing. It's rewarding. And may I say, for the Christian, it's commanded. God never intended for your Christian experience to be one hour in an auditorium listening to one guy talk and then leaving and living the rest of your life. He wants us to receive so that we can give. It is not, not only is it a blessing, is it rewarded, is it commanded, it is necessary for a joyful, fruitful Christian life. And so I'm praying that many in our church will take the challenge and take that next step to serve. And then we're, why are we doing it? To develop more leaders. We don't need, and this is a danger in, in some of the megachurch movement in our country. And by the way, I served in what would be called a megachurch for 15 years. I'm not against megachurches. But one of the dangers is we have a few leaders and a bunch of consumers. The church was never intended to be a consumer. You heard me say it from our Vision Sunday last year. It was never intended to be a consumer experience or a consumer transaction. It was intended to be a community that we belong to and we sacrifice for. We don't need a few leaders and a bunch of consumers. We need many Christians growing to maturity and impacting others. We're seeking to do more. Why are we doing it? We're seeking to do more, not less. What did the writer of Hebrews say? He said, for when when for, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. What did he say? You've been saved for a while, but you're not growing. You should now, you've been taught a long time, you should be teaching now. And I want to say to some sitting in this room, you've been taught a long time, you should be teaching now. You've been impacted for a long time, you should be impacting now. You've been served for a long time, you should be serving now. God has given you wisdom, and God has given you upbringing, and God has given you resources, and God has given you training, and God has given you gifts. And in and, and churches all across our country, those things are just wasting away in the pew, and the gospel impact and influence that the church could have is severely hampered because when we ought to be teachers, we have people still needing to teach us. And why are we doing this so that those that ought to be teachers have more opportunities? And when I say teachers, not just teaching, but servants have opportunities to serve. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines long enough, and as your pastor, I'm burdened. You know one of my jobs as a pastor, you know what the Bible says? 
He gave them pastors. One of the jobs is for the equipping of the saints, the Bible says, for the work of the ministry. You've been a consumer long enough. When are we going to become contributors? And I'm not talking financially. God bless you if you give. I'm talking about contributing to, what did Paul tell Timothy? The things which thou hast heard of me, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What is God's plan for the local church? Not one pastor teaching hundreds of people week in and week out and them doing nothing. God's plan is that one pastor teaches hundreds of people and those hundreds of people teach hundreds of people and those hundreds of people teach hundreds of people. That's God's plan, 2 Timothy 2.2. And why are we doing this to involve more people, to reach more people, to develop more leaders? My prayer is that some of you, you've been on the sidelines long enough. It's time to get into the game. It's time to say, yes, I'll serve there. Yes, I'll lead that community group. Yes, I'll jump into that area of service. Yes, I'll I'll, I'll be a part of that outreach. Yes, I'll go on that missions trip. Yes, yes, yes. Christians, it's time for you to take the next step into a thriving Christian life. Three, to thrive. Our time is short. Life goes quickly, only one life, so soon twill be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. So what is it? Sit in one, serve in one, share in one, so that we can plug in. And what are some exciting events, a part of our program that you can be a part of this year? We have some things planned for every age and stage of life. Here are a few of the big events I want you to watch, and then we'll wrap this up after this video. This year at Liberty, we've got something for everyone to thrive in. We want you to have the opportunities to jump into the life of Liberty. So here are about a dozen events we want you to be aware of. On Sunday, January 21st at 5 p.m. during our normal evening service time, we'll have a victory night and volunteer appreciation banquet. We'll take some time to celebrate what God did in 2023, while also taking some time to say thank you to some of our amazing volunteers. On Saturday, January 27th from 5 to 8 p.m., the Young Adults Group will be hosting the United Conference, a gathering for young adults seeking to follow and live for Jesus. In just a couple weeks, we'll begin the Seedline Project, where we come together as a church family from Wednesday to Saturday, January 31st through February 3rd, and put together copies of scripture in the Korean language. Sign up for your shift on the app and partner with us as we come together and further the work of the gospel. February 11th, Super Bowl Sunday. For several years now, we've had home Bible fellowships on this night, and we'll have homes opened on that evening in Huntington Beach, South County, Irvine, and we want to invite you to join one of those homes for a time of watching the game and a wonderful time of fellowship. I hope you'll sign up and plan to enjoy that great evening with our church family scattered around Orange County. Lancaster Baptist Church is hosting their annual West Coast Ladies Conference on the Friday and Saturday of February 16th through 17th. All ladies and teen girls are invited to join them for two days of growing together in Christ and connecting with other Christian ladies. Join us for Easter this year at Liberty. We are going to have a special Good Friday service on the Friday before Easter, in addition to our Easter Sunday services on Sunday, March 31st. We can't wait to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with you this year. Join us for the LBC and NCS Marriage Night on Saturday, April 27th. You'll be able to enjoy a special date night with your spouse and also have the opportunity to hear Steve Chapel. Don't miss this opportunity to strengthen your marriage. We'll be having a mental health service on Sunday, May 26th, as Jeremy Stallnecker provides biblical truths surrounding the topic of mental health. After the service, we'll have our annual Memorial Day barbecue at a nearby park where we'll enjoy some fellowship and fun games together. Just about an hour away from here, there will be a conference available for young adults on Thursday, May 30th. The Single Vision Conference is a gathering dedicated to inspire young adults to change their world for Christ. This summer, I am really excited to launch our Summer Bible Institute on Wednesday, May 29th. For Wednesdays this summer, we're gonna be gathering as a church family uh, for a time of food and fellowship. And then we're gonna dig into Why do we believe what we believe? We're gonna be studying some of the key doctrines of the Christian life. 
Don't let the name Summer Bible Institute scare you. It's not a college. There's no final exams. You don't have to pay any tuition. It's just our midweek gatherings, but it's going to be a little more of almost a, uh, a Bible class setting where we're going to be teaching through and helping all of us to get further and deeper grounded in our faith. Also during our summer season, it's going to get competitive with both a pickleball league and a volleyball league. This will be a fun time together as we enjoy playing some sports with our church family. Teens and kids, we are excited for what's coming up this summer. First, we'll have our vacation Bible school during the week of June 24th through the 28th. Then on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of that week, we will be holding teen rallies for those evenings during VBS. Then junior camp, July 8th through the 12th. And lastly, we'll have teen camp at Ironwood on July 15th through the 20th. Our annual youth rally is happening Saturday, September 7th. We will have an awesome time with teens from all over Southern California. Chris Teft will bring biblical truths from God's word on how to live the Christian life. Join us for incredible weekend, the missions extravaganza on the weekend of October 19th through 22nd. We'll have our international marketplace, messages and presentations from the missionaries and both services and special NCS chapels with a missions emphasis. Join us for a huge outreach day on Sunday, November 24th. Love Thy Neighbor Sunday is the perfect opportunity to show love to our community and invite family, friends, and coworkers to live with. The third annual Orange County Christmas Experience is happening on the weekend of December 14th and 15th. You will not want to miss out on this amazing event. We are so excited for 2024 at Liberty. Make plans to join us this year for each of these amazing events. When does it launch? Easter Sunday, March 31st, 2024. And so we are going, we have a couple months for us to kind of prepare, get logistics ready, and we are going to launch this new format, this new service schedule on Easter Sunday. That's when we'll launch the new groups. We're going to have our new volunteers, all of those things on Easter Sunday. My last question that we want to answer, uh, number five, our fifth question, how will it work best? How will this work best? Our church family has to buy in. You have to commit many of us to trying three to thrive for six months and see, and see if you aren't growing, if you aren't enjoying your church life and your Christian life more, and if you're not thriving like never before spiritually. You know, the interesting thing is we'll make commitments for work, we'll make commitments for hobbies, we'll make commitments for sports teams that are far more than three, in, three, three touches in a week. What about our church family? Will we commit to greater involvement? So how will it work best? Jump in with both feet. I'm going to see ushers to come through. They're going to pass out this commitment card. You're not going to turn this in today. I want every person to get one of these. And I want you to pray about this with your family, if you're married, with your spouse, for the next three weeks or so. And on Sunday, February the 4th, we're having what we're calling Three to Thrive Commitment Sunday. And we're going to ask for folks to turn in, and then every Sunday after that you can do that as well, to turn in, where are you planning to sit? That's going to help us to plan with logistics. If you're planning to serve, which service team are you willing to at least get information about serving in? And what time frame are you planning to share in one? And that will help us to be able to plan all of the logistics. This is a big undertaking from a logistical standpoint, and I want to challenge each of us to jump in with both feet. Again, don't turn this in today. Keep this with you, and we'll talk about this over the next three Sundays and answer more and more questions. Um, and, and then on that Sunday is when you'll get your t-shirt uh, designed based on which service you chose to sit in. Can I give you, as we're going we're gonna to close in about, we're going to be about five to eight minutes later than we normally are on Sunday, but we have no service tonight. It's a modified service schedule today. Can I give you my personal testimony? I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I wasn't born into a Christian home. Somebody, because like we're trying to do, have outreach, share the gospel, someone invited my mom to join us, join her for a special outreach Sunday. On that Sunday, with the faith of a child, I got saved. And I don't know exactly why, but somewhere my mom, who was I think at that time probably right about age 30, my 30-year-old single mom and me, for some reason my mom decided to jump in with both feet. She decided three to thrive. There were three services in that church in a week, and she decided if the doors were open, we were going to be there. And can I tell you, that commitment in our lives some 35 years ago for Three to Thrive completely changed my Christianity. It completely changed my understanding of God's Word. It changed my family. 
It changed generations of my family. It changed my calling and my career, if you will. It changed the career path, which I don't view the ministry as a career path, but it changed the career path that I went to. Why? Because a 30-year-old brand new Christian that didn't know anything about the Bible or church decided, you know what? If this is going to help us spiritually, we're going to jump in with both feet. If it's three to thrive, we're going to try to thrive. And to this day, my mom is in church this morning. And my mom will come home, and she calls it Lunch and Liberty. She's in Northern California. She'll come home, and she'll have lunch and watch this service. And she'll text me, and she'll say, oh, I want to fly down. I want to be a part of And she'll pick one of those events. I wish I was there for that. Oh, that's so neat what's happening. And, and she's, I guess, four to soar. She's three in person and one online. But Three to Thrive completely changed my life. And I want to challenge you. If you're currently involved in one touch with our church each week, would you consider taking the step to two? And if you're involved in two, would you consider taking the step to three? And if you're involved right now in three, you come Sunday morning and Sunday evening in a midweek community group, would you redouble your commitment to God's work? Here's the reality. I've talked about this already for a minute, so I don't need to belabor it, but the call to follow Christ is a call to be a committed contributor, not a casual consumer. Casual Christianity is antithetical to biblical Christianity. People ask me, what's the difference between Northern California and Southern California? I was an assistant pastor before. I've been a lead pastor now for eight years. They'll say, what's the biggest challenge of being a lead pastor? And you know what I tell them? Every time the first thing that comes to mind, the biggest challenge is casual Christianity. I know what committed Christianity can do for a life, and I watch people miss all of the benefits because church is an hour piece appointment on their schedule, but Christ isn't consuming their lives. My challenge to you this year is, would you take the next step in your growth? Either Christ is worthy of our all or he isn't. Casual Christianity is antithetical to biblical Christianity. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That doesn't sound like casual Christianity. What does the Bible say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, all thy might. That doesn't sound casual to me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, not casual. Christ, Paul said, who is our life, not casual. That in all things he might have the preeminence. He doesn't just get a place in my life, he gets first place in my life. So how is this going to work best? Number one, jump in with both feet. Number two, be flexible. All of us are going to have to be willing to adjust our current Sunday rhythms for the sake of future gospel growth in our church. I heard from one pastor that, that has made a format change similar to this, and I was asking for the, what they learned and how they would do it differently if they were to add another Sunday morning service. And he said, one of his counselors told him, anytime you change service times, you will automatically lose people. They will drop off from your church and never come back. That was mind-blowing to me. You're telling me if I move a morning service from 10 to 10.30, there are some people that will not come back to church. Can I tell you, I, I told him, I said, I don't think that will happen in our church. I don't see that as being the heartbeat of our church. Don't be that person. Well, I've always gone to church at 10 o'clock. Well, now you're going to go at 9 or 10.45 or both. I think, I think God is worthy of us adjusting an hour or 45. Well, my church has always met at 10 a.m. I'm leaving this church. Be willing to adjust for the furtherance of the gospel. One person said the last words of a dying church are this, but we've always done it that way. Let's be flexible. Let her see. Be patient. This is new for all of us. Guess what's going to happen? There's going to be some confusion. There's going to be some growing pains. We're going to figure some things out in the first, the first few weeks, in the first few months. Be, be, be patient. And then uh, lastly, be clear. If you don't understand the details of what's happening, or if you don't understand why it's happening, talk to us. Set up an appointment. Pastor, I, I don't really understand. In fact, maybe I disagree. Let's talk. Be clear of what's actually happening. Here's what happens. So we all, none of us probably love, just absolutely love change. We all like our routines. We all like our comfort zones. We all like things. We like to know what's happening. And what can happen, seasons of transition and change can be dangerous in a life, and they can be dangerous for a church because Satan can use it. And what often happens in change, it's not the change that we're actually upset about. It's what we think the change represents that it doesn't actually represent. 
So be careful. Well, th- this must mean we don't believe in the virgin birth anymore, and this is probably the next step. We're going to stop preaching Jesus, and watch what happens next. And people will come up with all kinds of imaginations of what's happening next. You say, Pastor Ryan, what's happening after this? What are you setting up with this? What's really coming down the pike in a year or two or three? You know what's coming down the pike in a year or two or three? Three to thrive. I'm going to challenge people to sit in one, serve in one, share in one. You know what's coming down the pipe? Our purpose is share the gospel, grow in the gospel, connect through the gospel, live the gospel, find a place to sit, find a place to serve, find a place to share. Our purpose isn't changing. Our belief isn't changing. Be careful. Sometimes what, it's not what's actually happening that scares us, it's what we think it might mean. If you have a question about that, I'll be honest, ask any of our assistant pastors, what is Pastor Ryan's real agenda here? They'll tell you his real agenda is what you heard this morning to involve more people, to reach more people, to develop more leaders. So be clear, in areas like this, it's okay for us to have differences of opinion. We can't have unity, disunity, and discord. You see Acts 2? They were all of one mind, and what happened? The word of God increased, and the disciples were multiplied. We have two options. We can fight a real enemy, or we can fight each other. We can't do both. We can fight for the gospel, or we can fight for our preferences and traditions. We can't do both. And so which one are we going to do? Be clear on what's actually happening. Be careful about convincing yourself what is happening. Last year, we saw God. God is doing some amazing things in our ministry. Last year, we saw our highest average attendance in church history. We more than doubled the number of salvations from the year before. We nearly tripled the number of baptisms from the year before. We had someone join our church every Sunday for the last six months, and many times multiple. We had 19 young people baptized on one Sunday on a youth baptism Sunday. We had a record school enrollment. We had a high, our highest year of giving. We purchased the new staff property. We did other things in our missions program and our outreach and our Seedline Bible project. And, and may I say this, I, on Vision Sunday 2024, I truly, this is not the power of positive thinking, this is not, I truly in my heart of hearts believe that we are just getting started. I truly believe the greatest days of gospel impact and fruitfulness for this ministry are yet ahead. I truly believe the best is yet to come, and I want you to be a part of it. I don't want you to be a spectator. I want you to be a part of it, jumping into it. I want you to be growing in a community group. I want you to be finding the joy of serving with other believers. I want you to know what it is to pray with people when you're going through your darkest time, not trying to fight your battles on your own, not trying to live your your Christian life all by yourself. I want us growing together through these things. So if we could put the theme slide up there again, would you say it with me? Three to thrive. Sit in one, serve in one, share in one. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.